Nevada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to triple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. I also want to thank our sponsors for the second hour of this show today uh, for making this show economically viable. They are Airway Energy, Aravista Gold, Blue Sky Uranium, Bravada Gold, Brazil Resources, Dynacore Gold Mines, Mill Rock Resources, Northern Free Gold, and Riverside Resources. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me today Rick Durfee. He's a co-host with Rich Bloomfield on the Voice America Business Channel. Uh, that's at 10 o'clock Eastern Time every Tuesday, so a little, a few hours ago. He and his partner were on the show, uh, on their show again, and the name of that show is What About Wealth? Uh, as I say, it airs uh, about 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 o'clock Pacific Time. Um, but as with my show, you can also, you can either listen to it live or you can download it later. So I would encourage you, uh, after having listened to it myself, uh, that it's something that you might want to do for sure because I think there's a lot of very valuable tips in terms of, uh, you know, how you can arrange your own finances to, uh, to, uh, minimize taxes, the tax load that you have to pay. And Lord knows, uh, taxes are high and they're probably going to only get higher 
as time goes on. Uh, Rick Durfee is a principal and, and founder with the Durfee Law Group, uh, and he's been practicing law since 1988, and his practice is limited to planning for wealthy individuals and their businesses and providing estate and business planning services. And his focus, uh, and he focuses on preventative law, uh, dynasty estate planning, asset protection, strategic planning for businesses, charitable planning, and turning uh, the gift of wealth into a blessing rather than a curse. And he is the president and director of Legacy Global Foundation, um, Inc. Uh, he has authored many articles and is the author of the highly acclaimed book, Your IRA, Asset or Ambush. Um, so welcome. Uh, really good to have you, Rick. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're, you're, this is a very, very busy time uh, of the year, and we're going to try to make it more busy for you if we can. You're in Arizona. Let me ask you this right away. What, can you, do you handle just people in Arizona, or do you handle people from various states? I have a national practice. I, I get clients from all over the country because there's not a lot of lawyers that do what I do. So uh, there's the dynasty estate planning side and the asset protection side that brings in a lot of clients. And then, of course, the charitable planning is universal that works for people everywhere uh-huh and uh, before we go any further can you tell people can you give them a number where they can reach you or is there a website where they can go sure. to? sure yeah my the phone number is 480-324-8000 and we would love to take questions or or uh, help with anything we can 480-324-8000 and then uh, the law firm is Durfee Law Group dot com, uh, and then the foundation is legacyglobal.org. So, okay, any Legacy. one of those places you can reach me. And then, of course, our what about wealth what what about wealth dot com website. Sure. Any of those get to me. Sure, excellent. Yeah, and uh, it's an excellent radio show, no doubt about it. And uh, a lot of a lot of very important information, in particular, right now. I think at a time when there's so much uncertainty out there. Oh, you know, we're all sick and tired of hearing the fiscal cliff a thousand times a day, but uh, what happens now, Rick? What happens uh, with the current tax structure if nothing is passed between now and the new year? What, what's it going to mean for, for average people? What's it going to mean for wealthy people? Well, let me give kind of a unique perspective on that. There are some aspects to the automatic changes in the law that are not getting a lot of media attention. One of them is the disappearance of the what's called the unified uh, exemption from transfer taxes. It's a lifetime exclusion from uh, gifts that can occur when you're dead or, or during your life. And right now, uh, per individual, an individual can give $5.12 million to their heirs, gift and transfer tax free. So for a married couple, that's $10 million and some change. Well, that number drops down to $1 million a person automatically on January 1. Mm. And that number is low enough. It increases the number of households that are affected by the tax by about 10 times. Oh. So it's like a 1,000% increase in, in the number of uh, households that are affected by the tax. And it is uh, a tax. And the rate, by the way, goes up. Uh, significantly to a marginal rate of 55% wow. for assets above a million dollars. And it's actually 60% of your assets if you have more than $10 million. So wow. it's a pretty brutal tax. It is a tax, by the way, that is entirely voluntary. 
the only people that pay it are the ones who don't plan. But what we're seeing here is, in fact, this has just been a, a, a big gush of work to do, is people scrambling to make those gifts mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Now, that only really affects people with $10 million or more. But, you know, in the last couple of months, I've talked to a lot of farmers from the Midwest who tell me that they work 18-hour days and drive a seven-year-old pickup truck and mm-hmm. if it didn't work, they'd lose everything they had. But, mm-hmm. but they're sitting on 10 or 15 or $20 million worth of real estate, mm-hmm. and if they don't do something with it, the Congress, you know, the politicians are going to grab it when they die. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty huge, uh, pretty huge consequence. What is the tax rate uh, now on on these estates? Uh, you said it's going to fifty five percent and sixty percent for people over ten million. What is it now? It's marginally forty five percent. So, uh, and it's a gra- it's a sliding scale, but the the slide is so steep that it's effectively forty five percent. Uh, at, but but with a five point one two million dollar exclusion, most Americans aren't going to have an issue with that. No, so the no. amount of planning required is fairly modest if that exemption stays there. Now, there's all kinds of talk. This is very much a part of the discussions on the fiscal cliff issue. Uh, when you know the one side says we want to tax rich people. This is one of the taxes for rich people. Right. And, uh, so it's it's on the negotiating table. There have been talks of of letting it stay at a million dollars. There have been talks of putting it at three point five million dollars a person. There have been a couple of proposals floated to take it back to the pre-Bush tax cut rate of six hundred thousand dollars per individual. So it's all over the board i think that anybody that says they know what's going to happen is is imagining things the, the politicians are going to do whatever they do and uh, come up with something and and then we get to live with it well they'll be working on on deals with the rich and the powerful having and i'm not talking about people with 10 million dollars i'm talking about large corporate interest or whatever the people that really have sway in in washington but what what does this mean in terms of uh, uh, what does this tax mean in terms of revenues to the government? How much of a dent will it make in the in the problems that we're talking about? It's trivial. It's really inconsequential. Uh, the amount of money raised would would not run the federal government for a, a, a day or two. Oh, that's uh, just it, it's just inconsequential. That is just you know I can't use the words I'd like to use on the radio, but this is just it just it just it it just makes my blood boil when I think about that. When you say there wouldn't be enough revenue to run the government one day, and what you're doing is discouraging people from working hard and saving money and sending it and and having it for their family, uh, you know when they go. I mean this is just this is horrible. I mean this is I, it just makes me really upset. I. Uh, okay, so let's. Um, you mentioned that there's no. It's a voluntary tax, which is which took me back a bit. I didn't know there was such a thing as a voluntary tax. So the government has guns, and they can force us to pay taxes. They can they they can rape and pillage all they want, can't they? Well, yeah, they do have guns, and the people with the guns make the rules, and they can come take what they want. But this kind of tax happens once when you die. Mm-hmm. Most of us. That's a ways off. We can see it coming, although we, we hate getting news that it's coming quickly. But, but it's, it's out there a ways, and if we plan and take control over our own finances, we can reduce, sometimes dramatically, sometimes completely eliminate that tax. And it's kind of like, here's the deal. We, we talk about 
public solutions or government solutions versus private solutions. Well, here's one where people fall down all the time. If you don't have a plan for how your property is going to pass when you're done with it, the IRS, the government, the state you live in, they all have a plan for you. Now, their plan is not concerned about maximizing the amount of wealth that stays in your family. Their plan is focused on maximizing their revenue. So that's what most people default to. They think, well, I don't need to worry about this. It's not going to happen until I'm dead, which is true. But who would you like to decide what's going to happen with your property? Do you want the politicians to decide? Do you want the tax man to decide? Or would you like to make the decision? So people who take control of their lives say, well, I'd rather make those decisions. Thank you very much. I'd rather choose where my money goes rather than letting the politicians choose. I think I'm qualified to make those choices more than than strangers off in a far-off city uh, making backroom deals among uh, politicians and power brokers. I'm better qualified than them to make the decision. So people who take control of their lives and make those planning decisions early on never have to pay the tax. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can could you, certainly you can see if this dollars, new tax... Billions and billions of dollars, and if you structure it properly, it would pass to your heirs completely tax-free. Okay, and uh, that is, of course, the kind of work that you do all the time. Will that change? Uh, how will that change if we go over the cliff? If we go over the cliff, if, if the politicians make no deal, on January 1, the lifetime exclusion, again, drops to $1 million per individual. So if, as a married couple, uh, if a, a family has $2 million or more of assets, half of everything they have above $2 million is going to go to the federal government when they die. And remember, this is not half of today's value. It's half of the value in the year that they die. Mm -hmm. So if you have $2 million today and you live 20 years, it's going to be more than $2 million. Mm -hmm. If everybody follows your advice and buys gold and other precious metals, what is the price of that investment going to do? Is it going to go up or down? It's going to go up. Yeah, most likely, yes. uh, you know, with this, with this hyperinflation that everybody talks about and is appearing more and more likely as the government continues to print money, uh, that is an effective transfer of wealth away from private individuals to the government, and this is one of the mechanisms. The federal government knows politicians aren't stupid. The probability of death is 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and dead people don't vote. They don't march on Washington. They don't write their congressmen. So if you're going to rip somebody off, if you're going to plunder their estate... Do it when they're dead. Right. So this is one of the one of the biggest wealth transfers that ever happens is in death. What about um, uh, putting your money in a trust? Is that a, is that a viable option? But it is a viable option. In fact, that's uh, trust is the engine that drives estate planning in the U.S. and in Europe and other places they don't use trusts, uh, but we do here big time. A trust uh, does not, in and of itself, eliminate the taxes any more than having a car parked in your driveway will will take you on a trip. You have to get in and drive it. So it's not having the trust, it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically in, a, in an estate where, when we're trying to do either asset protection or estate planning or, or reducing taxes, that there will be more than one trust and there will be business entities that are integrated into that and the, and the magic is in how all those pieces work together. Mm-hmm. But again, if you have a trust, when you die, that trust then uh, will be taxed at those higher levels if we go over the cliff. Yes. 
Yeah, so that's what you're, and so there's a rush now to to do what on the part of your clients to avoid that. So what are you? So what do you do? You gift that to somebody else. How does that work? I, so our our farmer in Illinois that has a fifteen million dollar farm mm-hmm. is gifting a, a portion of that farm with the value of ten million dollars for him and his wife mm-hmm. to a dynasty trust. Mm-hmm. for the benefit of his children and grandchildren. And now that $10 million is using those lifetime exclusions, which expire at the end of this year. They go away, but now we're, they've been used, so they're grandfathered in, hopefully. And that $10 million of real estate now is outside the taxable estate. And what's it going to do over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? It's going to go up in value. Mm-hmm. So if that $10 million appreciates to $20 million or $40 million, all of that, value, including all of the appreciation, passes to the heirs, mm-hmm. transfer tax-free when, when Mr. Farmer and his wife pass away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing, and I, I guess you've had uh, an awful lot of work and probably can't wait for this show to be over so you can get back to your next client. But uh, I, I know when I was on your show a couple of weeks ago, you were really, really busy. It's still the same, right? It is still the same. We we had, In fact, I have Two phone calls this morning, and when I get off here, I have two more phone calls this afternoon. In fact, I'm looking at my calendar. My staff just put another one on. I've got three phone calls when we're done. <laughs> okay, well, my engineer, I think, is telling me we have another 12 minutes or so. If you can endure, we, we, we would appreciate it, of course. You bet. Uh, what do you, so what is this going to mean, the fiscal cliff, let's say, to average folks? Do you, I know you're not, your you're specialty is estate planning, but can you give us some sense what it's going to mean to average people? Let's say people that make 100000 or less. A yeah, family that makes well, hundred thousand less. Idea that uh, I always say: beware of politicians promising tax cuts. Uh-huh. Beware of politicians promising something for nothing. Th- yeah. Those are the biggest lies, the oldest lies from the dawn of time. Uh, oh, I'll give you something for nothing. Uh, just let me, just let me take this little tax from you. So yeah. there are layers and layers of taxes. We we had an announcement in the news this morning that the IRS just issued a one hundred and fifty nine. Uh, pages of rules governing the 3.8% surtax and how it applies and when it applies and who has to pay it and who doesn't have to pay it. And, you know, as a lawyer, this is what I do for a living is read those big fat rule books. They're horribly intimidating. They're very complicated. The average person, frankly, has a sense whether this is true or not. It feels this way. The laws are so complicated that in all probability, you must be violating some rule somewhere, somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of uh, waiting till uh, an enforcement official comes and says, aha, we got you for this one. Right. So it's very complicated. It, it's going to increase the cost of reporting and, and calculating and, uh, and figuring out what your tax liability is, even if your taxes don't, quote, unquote, go up. Mm-hmm. It's complicated just to figure out what they are. Just to figure so your taxes are going to cost more. Uh, as well. So talk to us about this 3.8 surtax. What's that all about? Well, it's uh, part of the Obamacare package, and uh, this is one of those interesting things. Uh, The health care is going to cost more than the revenue that they can bring in from taxes. So in order to jumpstart it, uh, beginning this coming year in 2013, there's this 3.8% surtax and it's on uh, individuals who make more than $200,000 a year or married couples who make more than $250,000 a year. It's on specifically on in investment income, dividends, and, uh, and capital gains. And it's a surtax. So it's in addition to all the other taxes, you got this tax too. 
and it's based on on a, on a MAGI, the, the modified adjusted gross income. You know, when income taxes started, it was an income tax, and then they said, oh, but it's got to be the gross income, and then they promised us more deductions and said, well, we're going to base it on the adjusted gross income, and now right. we're basing it on the modified adjusted gross income. <laughs> so the rules to figure out that, you, you, you'll end up, you know, paying an expensive uh, advisor just to figure out the rules and navigate that. But 3.8% uh, on, on this income. The idea that this does not tax the little guy is really kind of silly. Yeah. If your employer has to pay this tax, where's he going to get the money? Going to get it out of your salary. Going to get it out of your salary or you know, cut, cut the labor force or cut mm -hmm. the benefits or raise the prices. So I think we will see price raises across the board for everything. Restaurants and food and, and basic uh, necessities of life are going to see uh, significant price increases. Cost of services are going to go up. Uh, the cost of having employees goes up, so we're less likely to hire. Uh, I, I can tell you that I represent a lot of business owners, mm -hmm. many, many business owners that have very profitable, nice businesses, and they're all in hunker-down mode. I can't mm -hmm. hire new people. I'm probably going to have to let people go. I'm, I'm, I'm examining the cost of the benefits. I'm, I'm adjusting work schedules and work hours and benefit packages because they have to to survive. Otherwise, they're going to be shut down. Yeah. Let me ask there are those who think that that may be what some people want to have happen is to shut the businesses down. But that's incredible because that's what creates wealth, obviously, and, and the freedom and the uh, liberties of, of people to be who they're created to be, to be who they are, to offer those services and those talents to the, to the marketplace. It's a crime uh, for sure with you know, the discouragement of that. But let me ask you, this is a, a sort of a practical question now. If, if the new law rolls over to a million dollars, what makes sense for say average people, let's say somebody that's making, that might have a million, you know, very, very common, a million dollar estate when they, I mean. It's not it, hard to have a million dollars anymore. If you no, exactly. I mean, most middle income people will, will have that because it doesn't yeah. mean a million dollars isn't what a million dollars once was. So yeah. very common. So what, what is sort of a, a threshold for people to seek estate planning? How much money should you have? How much of an estate should you have, including well, your home? Yeah, that's a very good question. And there's some other issues beyond, besides the tax issue that drive estate planning. There's the cost of trusted of, of estate administration, mm -hmm. probate costs, which is a form of litigation, which is adversarial and involves lawyers in the courtroom. So a lot of people want to avoid that litigation. They want to avoid that court cost. So avoiding probate costs is an issue. And other issues that are huge for people are the succession issues. How and when are my children going to get the money? What is the money going to do to my children? Is it going to hurt them or help them? Is it going to come at a good time or a bad time? Is it going to get gobbled up because of a divorce or a bankruptcy or a health care problem or a substance abuse problem? So all those other non-tax issues are giant mm -hmm. uh, in, in the estate uh, planning sure. process. And so, frankly, just at avoiding probate, the threshold there is about $50,000 of net worth in most huh. places. Uh, and so something needs to be done. Now, it doesn't always need to be a trust. Sometimes for the smaller estates, there are other alternatives. There are beneficiary designations that can be done on financial accounts and, and in some states, even on uh, real estate. Uh, to consider a trust, uh, some of those uh, non-financial issues are, are big factors. What, what effect is this going to have on my family? Are my children qualified to handle the money and so forth mm -hmm. are, are present? But... 
uh, for sure at a, at a couple of hundred thousand dollars, a trust looks real attractive. Is that and right? Uh-huh. Okay. Let me, let me give you an example. This happens, sure. actually. You have a young couple, uh, very young, with a young family. They work hard. If they did a balance sheet to get a loan, it might even be negative. They're upside down on their house, and they're upside down on their car, and they got student loans. Well, they, they're trying to be wise, and they're trying to protect their children, so they go out and buy some life insurance. Mm-hmm. They, and between the two of them, they could have a million dollars of life insurance. I've seen this happen. Yeah. And then... This young couple's in a catastrophic accident, and I'm, I'm sorry to say there's no pleasant way for young people to die. It's always mm-hmm. horrible. But now you have a million dollars payable to a minor child. Oh. What happens? Well, the insurance companies won't write that minor child a check. The courts are necessarily involved. They have a guardian or a conservator appointed for the child, which is the single most expensive way on the planet to administer money. Every single little decision, you have to go back to the court and say, Mother, may I pretty please, and get the judge to go along with it. You have to do annual filings, annual reportings. And then after this very expensive uh, administration of the funds, when that child turns 18, having grown up without the benefit of mommy or daddy, the judge pulls the pulls his glasses off his nose, leans over the bench, and says, "Well, Junior, do you want the money?" Hmm. And if this 18-year-old says, "Yeah, I, th- I think I would like to have that," they <laughs> give it to him. And uh, the the length of time that the money lasts is measured in weeks. Sometimes, sure, it's, it's very very detrimental to these young people, but they have a legal right to it, so they get it. So even the broke family with no assets may want to consider, well, gee, if, if the event that we have bought insurance to protect ourselves from happens, maybe we ought to have a vehicle to administer it. So a trust becomes an attractive option even for that family. Yeah. What I want to ask you about, uh, well, there's so many more things I'd like to ask you about, but my engineer is telling me we've got four minutes left. Um, what, what about uh, municipal bonds? Do you think there's likely to be more money moving into municipal bonds as, with higher tax rates here? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Bonds are a form of borrowing by the government. Right. And, and they are willing to pay certain interest rates. And, in, in, and in, well, when the government's printing money, there's an expansion of bonds. But when the government prints money, we get inflation, which right. makes bonds a terrible investment. So, yeah, we're going to see, a, I think, a proliferation of bond offerings, and the chumps and the fools will buy them, I think. Yeah. Now, I'm not an investment guy. I'm a lawyer. I don't give investment advice, but sitting in the lawyer's chair and seeing what I see, uh, who would want to be in bonds in an inflationary yeah. environment? That's yeah. Great. Well, you get some somewhat of a tax benefit, but, it, but of course, the hidden tax is the inflation tax, and that's where, as you pointed out a little while ago, government is transferring wealth through inflation, and uh, that's the most pernicious way. Of course, uh, you know, you can invest in real estate. That's one thing. You can buy tangible assets that, uh, that you can't, you know, that, that occur, that sort of go up in value and retain your value to a certain extent. But, uh, yeah, it's the pernicious uh, tax, the hidden tax. It's the worst of all in, in many ways. And if we go into a hyperinflation, of course, that's really going to be uh, devastating. Uh, I'd like to ask you, with a couple of minutes we have left here, what about... Um, IRAs, Roth IRAs, new taxes coming down the pike that might uh, that might have some influence on how people should invest in their retirement plans. Yeah, let me speak to the IRA question from the angle, I guess, the libertarian angle. Mm-hmm. IRAs, IRAs are are retirement plans that are created by government, 
and the people who make the rules can change the rules. Right. People who make the rules have different incentives. The Roth IRA is actually modeled on a a, a cash rich, uh, uh, cash based life insurance policy. I think there are private contractual options for for the self employed. Now, if your employer is offering you an IRA and no match funds, take all you can get. If you're a wage earner and all you're ever going to have in your life is wages and your and your IRA is your only option, take all you can get. Mm-hmm. For the self-employed, the entrepreneur, the man or the woman that's going to go out and make a fortune uh, independently uh, on their you know and they make it with their business and their know-how, IRAs are just a crazy choice. It's a tax ambush waiting to happen. I I think that we are likely to see means testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been discussion of that that oh. W- the Roth can be tax-free, but only if you're sufficiently poor. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. have the audacity to succeed, uh, the tax-free nature of the Roth is, is a risk, I think. Uh, IRAs, and this is a little contrary to what a lot of people tell you out there, but in my opinion, as an estate planner, IRAs are a terrible asset to leave your children. They're a, they're a lousy asset. There's so many better things you can leave them, and and the, and it's because of the tax hair and the regulatory hair on them. Uh, so, uh, what I'm telling uh, different groups get different advice. But for the young entrepreneur that's going to go out and make their fortune, uh, look for private contractual alternatives to to the IRA and the and the government sponsored retirement plans. To the to the people who already have them, uh, it's it's a Time to start contemplating an exit plan. You know, IRAs, people people make the decision based upon, oh, I get a tax deduction when the money goes in for a traditional IRA. That feels good, yippee I get tax-deferred growth in a traditional IRA, tax-free growth in a Roth IRA, yippee that feels good. But they're not thinking about the exit. Right. What's going to happen when the money comes out? And right. Death is one of those times when the money coming out is compulsory. Out. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's fascinating. There's many, many more things uh, uh, that we could talk about. We're out of time, unfortunately. I would like to suggest to our listeners that they go to Voice America and What About Wealth is the show uh, with uh, with Rick and your partner um, as well. And it's it's really a very worthwhile show. Ten o'clock Eastern time every Tuesday. That would be seven o'clock Pacific time. Uh, if you want some some advice and uh, some, I think some good ideas about how to plan your financial affairs, I think uh, it's well worth your time to check it out and go. Of course, you can download and listen to past past uh, episodes as well at Voice America, and uh, I suppose you're available as well on on iTunes. I uh, I think so. Yes, our website has uh, all the past episodes up there, and we're uh, we're on iTunes and uh, YouTube and all that stuff. Excellent. And, of course, they can always call 480-324-8000. I love questions. Those are the funnest things we get from this. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rick, for being with us today. We'll look to do it again sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future. Well, folks, uh, don't go away because we're going to be back uh, to talk to the CEO of one of my favorite companies, uh, and that's Eurasian Minerals. Eurasian Minerals is headed by David Cole. He'll be with us uh, right after the commercial break, and uh, we're going to find out what's going on with that uh, leading project generator company. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Ladies and gentlemen, the reality is that exploration for mineral deposits is risky business, though the rewards for shareholders can be enormous. At Millrock Resources, we don't believe in risking your investment on a treasure hunt. We believe in leveraging shareholder capital to generate projects and partnering with mining giants such as Kinross, Ballet, Inmet, and Tech to fund our exploration in the mining-friendly states of Alaska and Arizona. By utilizing this business model, Millrock Resources increases the potential of finding economic gold and copper deposits and maximizing shareholder wealth. For more information, Please visit us at www.millrockresources.com or find us on the TSX Venture under MRO. Our Vista Gold Corporation's principal asset is the Dewey Project, which currently has a 43-101 compliant resource of approximately 3 million ounces of gold and is considered to be one of the last undeveloped, low-grade, bulk tonnage potential super pits in Quebec. The Dewey Project has significant potential to further grow the resource by both step-out drilling as well as further infill drilling within the existing porphyry. Our Vista has a well-designed, extensive 35,000-meter 100-hole drill program planned for Q4 2012, with results expected in early 2013 and an updated resource estimate to follow. Our Vista Gold trades on the TSXV under the symbol AVA. For further details, please visit www.arvistagold.com. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacor Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at DynacorGold.com or follow us on Twitter at DynacorGold. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again David Cole. He's the president and CEO of Eurasian Minerals. Uh, that's a favorite investment of mine. It's certainly it's a company that's been recommended in my newsletter. It's a company that I have uh, personally invested in. It's one of my larger holdings and my very modest uh, portfolio, for sure. But it's, uh, it's a company that I like an awful lot because they are a 
not only are they a project generator, which as I've explained many times, we, we have other project generators we've talked about on this on this show, and we like the model because it reduces the risks and it, it gives you a portfolio of different kinds of uh, of different many different projects, but also it has other people spending big bucks. Uh, and in the case of Eurasian Minerals, it's other companies spending other big companies spending big bucks to find big projects. And uh, this is a company with uh, 72 million shares outstanding, selling at two dollars and eight cents. It's down seven cents today, so that's a good that's uh, good news for those of you who might want to pick some shares up. Uh, it's got a very strong balance sheet, lots of cash. Uh, it's really a very very strong company in my view. My favorite project generator. So welcome, David. Really good to have you back again. Oh, thank you, Jay. My pleasure to be here. Now, um, you're. So you, you've had quite a bit of news that's come through uh, since we last talked, and one of the things that I think is really one of the biggest positives this past year has been your acquisition of Bullion Monarch, which is a company that's providing uh, some, I guess, some six million dollars in cash flow now from royalty, uh, from a royalty uh, on a project that is operated a gold mine that's operated by Newmont Mining. Uh, tell us about that. Is that uh, is that a pretty steady? You see that as a pretty steady six million dollars coming your way, and and is there are there possibilities of it getting bigger, growing in the future? Yeah, happy to talk about the Bullion Monarch acquisition. And you're right, the Bullion Monarch acquisition was driven by our desire to acquire specifically the royalties on the Carlin trend. And there's two blocks of royalties on the Carlin trend. One is not producing, and it's two square miles, very close to the Gold Quarry Mine which is one of the largest uh, gold deposits in, um, in North America. And we feel the exploration potential in the future for production on those royalties is very good. The royalties that are currently paying are in the northern portion of the Carlin Trend, which is a pro- prolific portion of the Carlin Trend. And there's multiple uh, mines that Newmont operates um, on that property that are paying. And the three-year average payout is $5.5 million dollars. Um, we do expect that royalty to continue to pay over time as additional ounces are developed through through um, exploration and development activities on that key piece of ground in the northern portion of the Carlin Trend, and Newmont's an excellent operator. I expect that royalty to be a bumpy payer, though, Jay, I must admit, and that has to do with the fact that there are both on-property and off-property uh, uh, mines that are accessed through the same shafts, and so as they move from on property to off property, that royalty can bounce around. Okay. But on average, that royalty has increased over time, and we'd like uh, and believe that that will continue to happen. You have uh, you received a lot of prospective uh, property, a lot of pros- pr- prospective ground uh, with that bullion monarch, though in Nevada. Uh, are there? Is there a lot of exploration that you will be carrying out or you'll have some joint venture partners come in and spend money on? So the properties that were the key to driving our acquisition of Bullion Monarch were those ones on the Carlin trend that I Uh mentioned, and Newmont controls those, the surface rights and the mineral rights, Uh and we're happy royalty holders and we're completely carried. So we don't have to spend any money doing exploration there. Newmont's doing all the exploration work. We sit back and collect the checks, and it's very delightful to get a check in the mail from Newmont every month. How many, uh, what sort of production is Newmont getting from those uh, for those properties now? The um, So we get a 1% gross override royalty on the northern portion, that's the paying portion. And uh, so the three-year average is $5.5 million. So if you multiply that by 100, uh, you'd get their uh, gross. Get an idea uh, of what they're producing. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, good. Exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, um, 
Well, November 19th, uh, you just recently announced a deal uh, in uh, New Zealand with a company called Glass Earth. Uh, tell us about that, if you would, please. Yeah, uh, that's an excellent example of the execution of the prospect generation business model, and we continue to find new ways to do it. In this particular case, we utilize the unique in-reach knowledge that Dave Royal, our business unit manager in Southeast Asia and Australia, had. He knew about this key asset in the Coromandel Peninsula of New Zealand, which is a gold-endowed area and includes the Martha Hill Mine, which is a plus 10 million ounce gold deposit that Newmont operates there. And we knew about this, uh, or Dave knew about this significant uh, prospect, and we were able to acquire that at auction and we're delighted to be able to acquire that ground. We got it very inexpensively. We consolidated two different licenses that had not previously been consolidated, put together a geological database, and very quickly turned around and sold it to Glass Earth with a unique deal where we have um, advanced minimum royalty payments coming in. We have um, payments tied to advancement of the project and specifically gold payments made to Eurasian Minerals that are tied to the advancement of new reserves in perpetuity on the license. And so it's just a fantastic, accretive way for us to um, make base hits uh, <laughs> with this business model. Yeah, um, base hits. I, I mean, it's, it's probably not one of your bigger targets, but nonetheless, uh, a lot of, uh, you're getting, actually getting paid in ounces of gold. That's correct, yeah. And ounces and, of silver, too, possibly. And this is a, yep, the, the, um, um, it's actually gold ounces as calculated in, in gold equivalent. So it's okay, gold be, equivalent ounces. Okay. To gold equivalent, and we would get uh-huh. gold ounces, which we're happy with. And, um, um, you know, immediately the first payment was the $85,000, which is the total expenditure that we had in the property, if you can believe that. <laughs> so yeah. we're, we're, we've got our scratch back from get-go. It's very difficult to lose money when you're not spending any. Yeah. And, we're we're completely tied into the upside of this project over time and have no downside, which is a model I love. Well, one of the things that uh, that makes your company so attractive also is your management. You've got management that has been around for a number of years, a management that's been at, uh, attached to and, and aware of lots of uh, lots of ground around the world, different projects around the world, and that of course gives you some insights and some. Uh, some you know some knowledge about where some opportunities are when they come up. So, so that that is I found that to be a very interesting one. And ounces of gold, I guess it's hard to say right now what that amounts to. But what is the arrangement exactly? What sort of percentage or how does that work? Yeah, it, it's a fairly complicated deal with yeah. multiple ways that Eurasian mineral shareholders win. First up, they pay us 850 ounces of gold worth of their stock after they reach a preliminary stage of advancement on the property. We expect that payment to come in within about a year or 18 months. Um, and then we have additional payments of, of uh, 75 and then 100 ounces per year uh, in advancement on royalty payments. Uh, and those come in whether the property goes into production or not. And then in addition to that, for the first 500,000 ounces of resources um, that, can, can give, that are converted to reserve status, uh, we get one ounce of gold for each 100 ounces that they convert to reserve, which is fabulous payment right up front for mm-hmm. us. And then for all the gold that's produced from the mining operation, ultimately, uh, we have 2.5% uh, gross overriding uh, royalty. So we're just delighted. You know, the Eurasian mineral shareholders just win, win, and win again as, as the property is developed with no monies coming out of our pocket. 
It's well, you, you have so many properties in so many parts around the world, and so it's, it's hard to know when we have you on the show where to start. But I, another one that really, uh, really looks uh, exciting to me is one in Turkey, uh, Akarja, I think it's called. Uh, you have picked up uh, or regained 100% interest in that. Talk to our listeners about that property. You know, another great example of how the prospect generation business model leverages expertise and, and the landlordship that we have over these properties to the shareholders' benefit. So we acquired uh, Akarja by staking it uh, for almost free uh, through geologic, uh, just hard-nosed, in-the-field geologic prospecting that resulted in the discovery of Akarja. We did a deal with Santerra, and they came in and spent all the money to advance it. They spent $5.2 million making the discovery, advancing um, various studies on the property, uh, geophysical studies, uh, geochemical studies, etc. We drilled um, uh, 90 drills, I believe, uh, and uh, hit a number of, uh, of those, hit a very, very interesting mineralization within a 15-square-kilometer footprint. Mm. And then thanks to, um, unfortunately for them, some political issues that they have in, in Kyrgyzstan, um, they need to remain focused on their core assets within the company. And we were able to reacquire their 50% interest after they'd spent that $5.2 million. And we're just delighted to have the property 100%. Now we're just pinching ourselves with delight. We can't believe we'd be so lucky. And now we're advancing that property on a 100% basis um, whilst uh, entertaining significant um, offers in uh, to get involved in the property. Mm. So, uh, again, to be clear for our listeners, you're not interested in becoming a producer. You're really a, a project generator. You'll advance a property up to a certain point, get someone else to come in, and then probably keep a carried interest or a, a net smelter return or something like that, right? Exactly right. One way to, one way to say that is we don't buy yellow trucks. Uh-huh. And, uh, we don't want to expose our, sh- our shareholders to that element of risk. Sure. To take things to advancement and the dilution that's required to uh, put projects into production are the sweet spot in this industry is value creation through the discovery process. And um, uh, when, when you can be the landlord and have the exploration intellect to be able to advance these assets towards discovery, that's a very powerful combination that you can leverage into accretive deals for your shareholders. Yeah, and in this case, you had uh, the other company spending $5.2 million of arguably much riskier earlier stage exploration money, and now you've got uh, the project that you can advance, spend some more money. What do you expect to spend here on this project? Have you made that decision yet? I don't think that we'll need to spend very much. I think that what we'll do is uh, create some pizzazz out of the next round of drilling. We're on the property drilling now mm-hmm. and create some excitement in the marketplace that will help fuel a really positive deal for the shareholders on the property. That's our current plan. Is there a resource there now? No, but there, we, there's enough drilling that we could start to call together a resource, mm-hmm. uh, but we do not have one officially announced on that property. Okay, well, we can look for some news coming out of there. And also with the two minutes we have left, I, uh, I want to ask you about your Russian interest. This is really an interesting one. It looks to me like something that could be absolutely huge. Of course, those of us who, who are politically aware are somewhat queasy about Russia, but talk to us about your project It's a gold a copper gold porphyry target there in eastern Russia. What about that one? It's absolutely outstanding and hands down the most significant asset in the Russian portfolio at this point in time. And it's an example of us executing the merchant banking in parallel to our prospect generation. So this was a merchant banking opportunity that came to us early on. 
and our geological intelligence told us that there was something substantial going on in the drilling program here with uh, Intergeo Resources, a private company that was in need, desperate need of funding. And we came in as a white knight and funded that private company so that they could complete earn-in with a joint venture with Freeport, uh, Mac Moran Copper and Gold Company. Mm. And, uh, of course, Freeport's one of the world's larger uh, diversified mining companies and copper companies. They're only interested in monsters. And um, uh, they've got a they've got a monster by the tail here, in our opinion. And uh, we came in with very very favorable terms to Eurasian Minerals, and for the sum of of uh, less than four million dollars, we control right at around forty percent on a fully diluted basis of IGR, the private company that has a fifty one percent and is project manager of this property. And uh, it's not one porphyry that's been discovered, but a whole series of porphyries. Oh. And that's a belt scale opportunity that um, could easily turn out to be one of the larger copper gold discoveries of any recent time. Mm. It's absolutely phenomenal. And we believe that our share ownership in IGR is worth substantially more than our market cap currently, substantially more. Uh, interesting. Well, it's fabulous, and we could go on and on. There's so many more, so many more properties that you've got to to uh, to talk about. But people really should take a look at this uh, Eurasian Minerals, as I have. Thank you very much for being with us once again. Uh, we'll look to catch up with you again sometime in the not too distant future. It's certainly one of the most exciting project generators out there, and I think uh, one that offers great potential on the upside. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back with some closing thoughts on today's show and a word about next week's guest. Don't go away. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. I've recently recommended Northern Free Gold to my subscribers because its nearly 6 million gold equivalent ounce resource can lead to a major rise in its share price. The company's Yukon project is in a politically safe jurisdiction far from population centers, and it is advantaged with road access and nearby electricity. A large deposit and a vision of positive economics should make Northern Free Gold an acquisition target. The potential upside in my view for these shares is major. Blue Sky Uranium is a leading pioneer in the exploration for uranium in the Patagonia region of Argentina. Their exploration success has attracted one of the world's largest multinational nuclear power companies to fully fund Blue Sky's exploration programs. Argentina is very focused on nuclear to provide for their energy needs, yet they do not currently produce the required uranium to feed the reactors. Blue Sky has opened up a new frontier for exploration for uranium in Argentina with an objective of supplying both domestic and international markets. Bravada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. 
Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Well, we're certainly looking uh, at the fiscal cliff, which I guess we're all getting tired of hearing hearing uh, about every day, multiple times a day, many times. And But it is a reality, and government intrusion in our lives is a reality. It is uh, something that we need to factor into uh, the way we live our lives. Uh, we need to be prepared to have our pockets picked because that's what government does, and it's doing it increasingly so as we move away from the from the foundations of our government, which was limited government and freedom for the individual, uh, and free market capitalism, which allows uh, really allows the creation of wealth. Uh, socialism is parasitic. It really discourages people from working. Now, I'm not saying that it's only the profit motive that drives people to work, and certainly people. Uh, do things because they enjoy it, and it's part of their, you know, what they were made to do. Some people just really enjoy doing things that don't necessarily, uh, don't necessarily uh, translate into monetary returns. I can't argue with that. But at the same time, to try to think that you can just tax people and take away their wealth and confiscate their wealth, you know, a uh, philosophical question, if 10% is the right amount of tax, well, why wouldn't 20% be right? Why wouldn't 50? Why wouldn't 70% be the right amount? I mean, who's to say? Once you, how much should you steal from somebody else is the question. And, uh, and the other thing that I would say is that, you know, America was, uh, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the issues early on was no taxation without representation. Well, do you feel like you have representation these days with the, uh, with, with all of the, um, uh, you know, the big money interest in Washington that get laws passed and laws that are so complicated, as uh, as Rick Durfee was saying a little while ago, that almost certainly we are all uh, in, uh, you know, we have all committed some, some crimes along the way that we're not even aware of. And this is one of the issues that, that got the Roman Empire in, in, uh, in trouble, was that the laws became so convoluted, so difficult, so so complex that people couldn't uh, could no longer obey them and certainly the tax codes uh, what we heard today about um, the the huge number uh, just determining uh, some 197 pages to de- to determine who is to pay this uh, this Obamacare tax of three and a half percent it's incredible and it's going to all it's going to cost us more money for our accountants and all of that uh, this is the reality so then the question is how do we best uh, how do we best organize our lives accordingly and of course that's where we had Rick Durfee on to talk to us today uh, James Cook certainly I think understands from a free market perspective an Austrian perspective as well as anybody and I would really suggest that people go to uh, uh, to order the book national bankruptcy um, investment rarities dot uh, com and the telephone number that we provided for you earlier James Cook, uh, I think, has a very good grasp of the problems that we're facing, uh, and he also, uh, I think, has a very good understanding of how precious metals, and in particular, he's very bullish about silver, believes that uh, th- that uh, those metals can be very helpful in allowing you to preserve some wealth and uh, and live your lives and conduct your lives uh, in some some sort of a mean, uh, of a way of a constructive way going forward. Uh, always good to. Uh, uh, talk about investments. I, I w- I'm finding this to be an extremely difficult market for me personally. The gold shares are absolutely being ravaged. It is incredibly uh, incredible how badly some of the juniors are getting hit. And companies with 
with some real value in them. I, I would just point out Bravada Gold, for example, that we had on. They are a sponsor. We had them on the show recently. I'm looking at Bravada Gold today at 4.7 cents earlier in the day. Now, this is a company that has had a preliminary economic assessment and a discounted present value of $1.29 per share at current gold, gold prices. I have a belief that the um, uh, that the taxes and the, and the prospects of higher tax rates is causing a more aggressive tax loss selling season this year than we've seen any time in the recent past. Uh, we just talked to David Cole of Eurasian Minerals. Eurasian Minerals, for reasons that David talked about, we didn't have time to talk about nearly anywhere nearly all their properties, but they have some extremely exciting properties, a $2.07 stock. I think this is uh, definitely a, a stock that has a chance to be a real moonshot no guarantees ever in this business, but with so many good properties, major companies spending major bucks to find major uh, deposits, uh, I think it has a real shot at doing extremely well. Uh, we are out of time next week. Naomi Ariscus uh, will be with us, and John Robino will be talking about global warming and some possibilities, uh, profit-making possibilities with John Robino, who's written a book on that subject. Thank you very much, all of you, for listening to this show and making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks to Tacey Trump, my producer, and Matt Wiedemer, uh, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Oh, 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 oh,